0: This is Tyler Kirkham, and this is the Top 5 Comics
1: Podcast. Welcome to the Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the Master Disaster, Josh45. What's up? And CBS, which would be me. Um, so today, we are going to be doing uh, episode number 157. Yeah. And book-wise, what we're going to be going over is uh, Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, number one, from uh, Marvel Comics. Then Superman of Metropolis, from uh, DC Comics, is Future State Superman of Metropolis. Uh, it's part one in the, uh, the Superman of Metropolis issue one series. Uh, then we're gonna follow that up with, uh, Gung Ho Sexy Beast number one. This is, uh, from, uh, Blaze Comics. So it's our indie for the day. And then, uh, we'll go from there to the Guardian, which is a backup story inside the future state Superman Metropolis. And we will finish off with, uh, Darth Vader number five from Marvel. That's from the, uh, third volume of Darth Vader. So currently the current run, but, uh, series three. But before that we'll do a little bit of news. Um let's see, so I don't have a whole lot, but uh there is a trailer they finally dropped for Justice Society World War Two, which is pretty cool. As far as the thing, it's supposed to be released sometime this year. They're saying twenty twenty one when it's gonna be I guess it's done. They just haven't picked a release date or whatever. The setup for it is it's the JSA during World War Two. And the setup for it is a Barry Allen prior to joining the Justice League, has managed to touch into the Speed Force and time-travels himself back to the middle of World War II. And then, of course, hijinks. Aliens and whatnot. Uh, cast for it. So JSA's going to be Wonder Woman, Our Man, Black Canary, Hawkman, Steve Trevor, and then Jay Garrick's the original Flash, the Silver Age Flash. So pretty cool. I mean, the uh, trailer, the art's neat. The characters look cool. DC generally does a pretty good job with their animated, so I think that'll be cool. It's neat that we're getting the JSA. Uh, We're supposed to get them in the Black Adam movie, too, but it won't be the same group, probably. I doubt we'll see Wonder Woman in that movie. But as a thing, it's cool that we're getting that. I think that's neat.
0: Disney also has two to four trailers airing during the Super Bowl. We're not sure which, whether it's two, three, or four. Um, It could potentially be Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Raya and the Last Dragon, and maybe something else that we don't know about.
1: Oh, interesting. Uh, so that I means Super Bowl Sunday will have something cool to try to look for in the commercials. Um, other TV movie stuff, so Why the Last Man is resumed film- filming. Uh, if you didn't know, Why the Last Man is being put together as a TV series uh, to air on FX and Hulu. Um, as far as uh, the show is concerned, if you're not aware of what why is, basically we have a global pandemic happen that kills all the men, save saber one guy, uh, Yorick Brown is the character's name, and his pet monkey, they're the only two males left in the world. And uh, his story moving through the world, trying to find his mom and his girlfriend and people in his family that, you know, are still alive. But yeah, so the uh, the actor on it is, uh, or playing Yorick, is uh Ben Snyzer, which I don't really know him for much of anything. I guess he was in a couple other films and a whole batch of TV stuff. But uh, as a thing, I mean, Why Last Man it was written by Brian K. Vaughan. Awesome series. I don't remember when it ended. It ran for a long time. And it's really pretty good. Um, so TV adaption, I guess we'll see what Hulu does with it. Um, I think that's cool.
0: Jared Leto has a new look as the Joker in the um, Snyder cut of Justice League. I don't know what that means. Supposedly it fixes what was most hated about him. And
1: Oh. So maybe uh, the teeth and the hair and the overabundance of weird tattoos?
0: I don't know. Well, I mean, you can hate all you want. I mean, maybe it was just the acting, or maybe it was just like he was underutilized or not used properly. Yeah. I don't think that... I don't think that Jared Leto was a bad choice as a Joker. I just think that he wasn't used properly. I don't think that his look was necessarily bad. He acted just like the Batman animated series Joker. Oh, yeah.
1: The gangster Joker, for sure. As a thing, if they're giving him a different look, I mean, maybe it's just one more costume. We did see a trailer at one point, which I think is in the movie though. Did he ever have the army helmet on in the movie? It's been a while since I watched it, but I remember one of the trailers distinctly having him dressed in like army fatigues. They
0: cut out a bunch of stuff that yeah. he's supposed to be in in, in like uh, out, a Suicide Squad. Yeah. So, but he, so that I, mean, I don't know if they're going to add that stuff into Justice League or what. Right, who knows? Right. So,
1: I mean, that's interesting. Um I got a couple pieces about some documentary stuff. It's not really comic book related, but stuff we love on the show. Okay. So uh, and you're currently on documentary kick anyway so this will be maybe neat for you. so there's a, a documentary that's supposed to come out I want to say on the fifth of this month it is based around Pat Marita uh, the, so the documentary is called more than Miyagi mm-hmm. okay so like it's all about like his life and stuff which mm-hmm. I think is awesome. There's good. another documentary that's by the same dude that was called the real Miyagi. That one is about the stunt man that a lot of what Pat Morita did in the movie was based off of. It's like a real dude. Who's a kung fu, like, stunt man. He's still alive now. He's 82 years old. <laughs> dude named, uh, Fun- Funi, Demora, I think is how you say it. But he was the guy who played the, the opposite him when all the stunts were being done in the Karate Kid movies. And apparently the way he talks is what me Mia- or is what Pat Morita mimicked for the character. Gotcha. So that wow. one's really, should be cool too. The trailers are great, so.
0: Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife will finally make Winston a complete character, I guess. Um, star Ernie Hedson has confirmed that Winston will be a more fully fleshed out character in Jason Reitman's upcoming sequel.
1: Right. He's more utilized, I guess, which is cool. He's my favorite, so.
0: And, um, my last bit of news is Thor will go back to buff Thor in, um, Love and Thunder.
1: I guess it makes sense for the ladies. I thought Fat Thor was hilarious. Oh, no, he's so, f- he's super funny.
0: I mean, I know that you haven't liked Thor since, like,
1: because he doesn't talk right. I don't. I don't mind him in the Avengers movies because he talks right in the Avengers mm-hmm. movies. But in Ragnarok, no matter how fun the movie is, because it is fun, yeah, whatever. He doesn't talk right.
0: We're not gonna get it's still argument a fun again.
1: movie. I still like it. It's got Bettery Bill's head, which I think is great.
0: Yeah, we're not gonna get an argument again. Yeah, because I think you're wrong. But
1: whatever. he Talks like Chris Hemsworth, which is not Thor.
0: You never heard Chris Hemsworth talk, I guess, because he doesn't talk like Chris Hemsworth. Okay, then. He talks like Thor. Eh,
1: No. Movie one and movie two, he does. Movie three, not really. He
0: doesn't act like comic book Thor. That's what comic book fans don't like, is he doesn't act like comic book Thor in a movie that's the third version, like fifth version of him, actually, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so...
1: But in all the other ones, he does. He's, he's
0: grown into that. No, nah, Because all the... All, like, he acts like that... From, even even when he's Fat Thor, he acts like that.
1: Well, it's a very different thing when he's Fat Thor.
0: Why is it different from when he's Thor in Thor 3?
1: I don't feel like he doesn't talk like Thor when he's Fat Thor. I feel like he still does.
0: I think he acts just like he does in Ragnarok.
1: May have been dumbed down to it then. Maybe. Uh, so fun, I, I just
0: think it? a bunch of people just read a bunch of reviews and they're like, "Yeah, that's what that's that's what they said, and that's why they like they couldn't just like be like that was a good Marvel Cinematic Universe movie." Like it was, it was just, it's it a was good just, movie. It's like they can't realize that like Thor: Dark World is one of like or Dark whatever was it Dark World is that what it was called.
1: Are you talking about the one with the dark elves? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. The second one.
0: It was like horrible. It was a terrible film, yeah. and yeah. nobody nobody once talks about like, "Yeah, that movie sucked." It's like Attack of the Clones for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's how bad it is.
1: I mean, it's not as good as other things, that's true. I wouldn't say it's the worst one, but it's not the best. That's not the only good ones.
0: It's what's worse, you think?
1: Uh, We've had this
0: conversation on multiple podcasts, I mean...
1: I mean, yeah, I I mean, I don't... Besides
0: the Hulk movie, it's...
1: Well, you know, none of us count the Hulk, even though it's supposed to be part of it.
0: It takes place after Iron Man, so... Yeah,
1: I know. The cameo and stuff make it that way. Yeah, I don't know. I Captain Marvel. I pieces in there that I'm not a fan of. I would rather watch Dark World than Captain Marvel. But
0: and again, Captain Marvel's really, really good. So mm-hmm. I don't understand what I mean.
1: The parts with the cat are really cool.
0: Yeah, but again, like everybody's like, "Oh, I don't like it," but like, but why? Like, it's just because people don't like strong women. Like, it's a sexist oh, thing, or is it like because she doesn't act like Captain Marvel acts in the comics, or like you know, there's just like there's. I don't know. Like, it was a really well done film. It really was. And I just, again, just like, Thor 3 was really well done. And it was the, be- it was a, it was a buddy team up film. It wasn't necessarily Thor. should be called Thor and Hulk. And yeah. like, you know, but even then, like, everybody was like, like, you're the only one that I've heard say that Thor doesn't act like Thor.
1: He doesn't talk like Thor.
0: But what does Thor talk like?
1: He's more, he's not all a surfer guy. I don't know, man. You'd have to great to watch the movies next to each other to explain it. This is a complete tangent that, is too far now.
0: It's not too far. I mean, yeah. we've had this conversation multiple times, but again, I think Thor three is great, and he, you know, he talks just after that. I mean, he talks like that. I mean, he does the same stuff on the Guardians ship.
1: I mean, you, well, yeah. I once you do three, you can't really go straight back, but on the Guardians ship, he still uses the accent. Like they make a whole scene about it. Like when he's standing there with Chris Pratt, and Chris Pratt imitates him. The whole that whole thing is how Thor talks.
0: But he talks it, like that in Thor three though.
1: No, he doesn't. Maybe the first half, but not the second half. I would have to watch Thor three and see exactly where it changes. But he, he consciously doesn't do it.
0: I don't think that it changes at all. I think it's just like it's it's personal choice. I get again maybe like,
1: yeah yeah. We but see that.
0: I, but again like I think he is who he is, and it was a very well done film, and it was very well received by most people. It's and a it was, fun
1: film, yeah. There's no disputing And, so it, was, and it was
0: hilarious, that. and it was just like. I don't know. I think that it's like some there because you're not the only one that I've heard say those that that like Thor doesn't talk like Thor.
1: I've said it a lot,
0: but like other people have said it. And I think it was said on the internet somewhere and somebody saw that. And then I just like mimicked it. And that's just like, if you watch all the Thor movies together, then you're going to, then it, they all make sense. Like they, they, they flow. He, he grows as a character. Because he's around Earth, like Earth people, more and more and more, and so he slowly like relaxes and becomes less of a an uptight like, like Odin's guardian, Odin's son. Like he 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 chills out a little bit and realize he's just things are just a little bit different.
1: Well, I guess you lean in that direction, but I don't remember reading that anywhere. I thought that after I left the movie, but that's just me. Doesn't make it a bad movie. I'm not saying that it's a bad movie. Should have been maybe. uh Planet Hulk, yeah, but the rights for the Hulk land weird in the world still, so that's why we got Ragnarok, which is fine. Is that all the news we got?
0: That's all I got, man.
1: Alright, man. So say I didn't really see a whole lot of other I mean there's some new books that are coming out, but that's more like a books to watch thing. Um so first book we'll move into is the Iron Fist. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. All right, so Iron Fist, um, Heart of the Dragon, number one. Uh, and this one is a, a six-part miniseries. Uh, this guy's written by Larry Hama, of G.I. Joe fame. And the art on it is by uh, David Watcher. And series-wise, we had a bunch of other stuff happen prior to this book for for uh, Danny in different uh, different uh, miniseries and uh, event series. So he's collected a batch of uh, other characters to hang out with him other than just Luke Cage. Uh, but when this thing opens up, we're doing J- Danny inside of his his um, building, the Rand Tower, and uh, he's in there making laying down the law about the, what the rules are going to be, and you uh, he's talking to is Luke Cage, who's there to uh, babysit P, which is a little girl who he has inherited in his connection to Kuhn Loon, and a dragon, a tiny dragon. He tells them that they have to stay there and behave and t- listen to what Luke says, and she's just complaining about, well, why, why can't we go with you? And he said, well, we don't really know how this gateway's going to work. So what we find out is that uh, Fu, this little man who's uh, like a scientist type, as much as you can be from the Shaolin Temple, has de- devised a gateway to travel between realms that they put in the basement of Rand Tower. And uh, Danny's not entirely sure how they trust it, but they know that something's happened, and the other realms... Are currently uh, in in a war trying to protect their dragons, and so the two of them decide that they need to go see what's going on and check on Kung And because Danny's not entirely sure what will happen with the transporter, he doesn't want all of them stepping into it. Uh, so he basically tells them to listen to Mister Luke, and he gets an elevator and goes downstairs. To which uh, the little girl is like, "Ah, oh, we're gonna play hide and seek, right?" And Luke's like, "Ah, I guess we're playing hide and seek." So reluctant babysitter, you know. Funny because who he is. Uh, we go from there to the basement where, uh, Danny's in there asking Fu about the, uh, teleporter. And Fu's like, oh, you can't you trust me? And, of course, Danny's like, well, I mean, I don't really have much other choice, so... And, uh, you see Fu's got this giant backpack on him, like, sleeping bags, shovels, like, all kinds of... Like, if you're gonna get lost camping or on an expedition, like, the dude's packed everything. And Danny's like, well, alright, I guess you, you go first. And the two of them step through the portal. Uh, when they come out of the portal, we, uh... Wind up landing inside of a, one of the other realms, and what it looks like is a crazy like Japanese city. And we find out that it is in it is in flames, and currently all the people are running scared from what look like ninja zombies. And Danny's first reaction is like, "Oh my god, zombies! Where would you take us?" And uh, we we find out what they are is that they're murderous undead ninjas. And uh, at this point, they're riding around on horseback, scooping people up and taking them out, and. Danny's like, well, I guess we're here at the right time. And so he fires up the iron fists and he starts fighting zombies. I mean, iron fists being they're fiery work really good against zombies. So he takes off a co- takes a couple out autumn horses. He grabs one of them by their head and tears the head off. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Like he tears his arm off and he just lays waste wastes all these guys. And uh, I mean, he helps with they're zombies. And then as he's fighting, like eventually, Foo finally pulls out a crazy axe from his backpack, and he's like, oh, I finally found it. And he looks around and sees that, well, Danny's basically taking care of all of these ninja zombies. And we have a pack of samurais walk up behind him, and uh, Iron Fist initially, you know, jumps because he doesn't know who it is. Then he realizes that who it is. The guy leading the group is Dog Brother. And uh, he's like, well, what's going on, man? Like, what is what is happening here? And so he tells him, well, we we're being evaded. We have someone going after the dragon. He's going after our dragon. They're here to take his heart. And Danny's like, Well, we need to get there to protect him, and so he's like, Ha, ah, you you can probably go, Danny, but we're all beaten down and like so Danny takes off to the temple, and uh, when we first get there we see the temple outside of it has like a pit of uh they're they're like foam poles and just giant poles that stick up And the very bottom is of course covered in spikes and uh snakes. So it's not an easy thing to cross. And Danny starts going across it because he's the Iron Fist real easily. And Fu's like, oh, you know, I'll catch up to you. Uh, you go ahead. And so Danny gets into the temple and uh, he finds the dragon and the dragon is already dead. And there's a fellow standing there holding its heart in the giant case that he's putting, getting ready to put the heart into. And it is Taskmaster. And uh, his reaction to Danny being there is that he expected him, which is kind of weird. And he's like, oh, you're too late, Iron Fist. This dragon's already slain. And he's, I've taken his heart. And we see him load the heart into the box. And Danny's like, what are you doing here, man? Like, what's going on? And he's like, ah, oh, well, if you're here to try to stop me, you, good luck with that. You're not going to have any chance of it. When I have a job, I get that job done. And so Taskmaster takes off. And of course, in the process, he kind of backhands Danny out the door. And he has to recover and land on top of one of the uh, poles in order not to fall into the uh not to fall into the pit. And so the two of them take the fighting on top of the poles, and it's pretty evenly matched. I mean, Taskmaster's main power is to mimic who he battles. So that's not unexpected. Um, He winds up getting the better Danny for a second and sends Danny down in towards the pit. And he winds up saving himself by doing the splits between two logs, which is dangerous, you know, for the downstairs. And uh, Taskmaster makes some quippy remarks, and away he goes. Uh, Danny catches back up to him for a second, knocks him through a couple of the poles, and uh, then we see Fu out of nowhere try to take him out with the axe. Of course, he misses because, you know, he's Fu. And uh, that allows the uh, Taskmaster to get away with the heart. So now Danny and Fu kind of re- regather each other and try to make a decision what to do as Taskmaster escapes. We cut from that back to Meanwhile, in its Luke cage, we're back at the, uh, the apartment in Rand Tower... And, uh, he's playing hide and seek with the, with the girl and the dragon. And of course the dragon's hiding in the couch, his tail's hanging out of it. That means dragons can't hide. So, uh, as a thing, Luke's pretending. Uh, P is dressed up like, like she's the lamp. She's got the little lamp on her head, but clearly a little girl body. Anyhow, um, in the process of them playing, we wind up hearing the, uh, ding for the elevator. And she's like, oh, he's back, he's finally back. And she runs to the elevator. And when the elevator opens, well, inside, we have Lady Bullseye and a couple of those zombie ninjas. And, of course, P. freaks out because she doesn't know who this is. And Luke Cage is like, oh, finally, we're going to get some work done. Well, as they're all getting ready to battle, uh, P. strikes a pose like a crane stance. Well, she's been trained by the Shaolin Temple, too. Even though she's a little girl, she's still been taught how to fight. It doesn't make terribly effective, but she can. And uh, Lady Bullseye tells him, Ha! I'm just here for the dragon. If you give me the dragon, then uh, we'll let you live. Well, that's not going to work for Luke Cage. And about that time, Luke Luke looks at her and he's like, Well, there's only three of you, and there's three of us. This should be easy. And then all of a sudden we see the front glass break, and in through the window from the outside of the skyscraper, pile in all kinds of zombie ninjas. So the zombie ninjas have been climbing outside this whole time they were talking to Luke. So now they're overwhelmed with zombies, and uh, Luke takes a on them, and the girl goes after the dragon, or Lady Bullseye like, I goes after the dragon, and P she's fighting back too, but it's more like Luke's protecting her. Lady Bulls finally gets her hands onto the dragon, and she's uh, trying to take trying to take him. P gets in the middle, smacks her in the face, and of course you know she retaliates in a way that she's gonna whoop the little kid um, until all of a sudden she gets smacked in the face and topples her backwards because Danny's back. he's like, oh, you should pick on of your own size. And so that leads to him using his Iron Fist power to take out the rest of the zombies. Again, fire and zombies don't go so good together. Um, so Lady Bullseye orders a retreat, and they all flee out the front of the broken windows off the side of the building. And, uh, you know, of course, P is super happy. She's like, oh, my hero, and is hugging Danny. and the dragon basically does the same thing. And, uh, Luke's like, man, I don't know what's going on, but this is crazy. And so Danny starts to explain to him, well, as somebody has been killing the dragons and collecting their hearts, it's only a matter of time before they come for this dragon and before they come for Kun Loon's dragon. The dragon that fuels the Iron of his power. As they're all talking, we wind up having this crazy, like, light sort of shine outside. It kind of looks like it's, uh, like a meteor, but not red. Heading towards the window, and of course they all freak out and they get ready to fight because they assume it must be another attack. And, uh, we find out inside this, uh, glowing ball of, like, white, sort of white flame, because it's not really fire, we have, uh, the Mother of Mercy, who is the, uh, she's another protector of the dragons that's connected to, uh, to, not to the Iron Fist, but to something a lot like the Iron Fist. Anyway, she's carrying her daughter. She's like, my daughter's been slain, and the, the heart of the dragon's been stolen, and she's like, the last ones left is is your dragon and the the Loon dragon. And uh, she's like, the heavens will burn, and that's where the issue sort of wraps up. So it just put more pressure on Danny to protect this little dragon, the baby, and his dragon. And as far as like who's ordering all these assassins, we don't know that yet. I mean, Lady Bullseye, she's a hired hand. So is Taskmaster. The zombie ninjas, I mean, okay, they're foot soldiers, whatever. So who's actually? Pulling the strings of this is after all the different dragons and all the different sects. So, the, the fist, the foot, the spear, the stick, all the different clans, they're after all of them. So, who exactly is behind it is a pretty good mystery. Um, that's where the first issue wraps up, and like, interesting stuff going on. The art's pretty good. Like, as far as like a Kung Fu battle, if you like Iron Fist stuff, you'll like, iron, you'll like it. It's, it's, it's fun. Um, we get Little Salute Cage. He's like a side note to the book, but that's alright. Uh, as far as like a score, I mean, I like Larry Hamlin just because old school GI Joe, and I, you know, I give it a three and a half because it's a. F- I really like Iron Fist. I think they did a lot of different covers for it. I mean, one of the covers was a Iron Fist versus Aliens cover, which I thought was cool. It doesn't have anything to do with the book. It's just a variant cover, but it was a cool cover. Uh The main cover, the A cover, is really cool too. So yeah, as far as like the books concerned, I give it a three and a half. I thought it was pretty cool. Josh, you know anything about the uh, the Iron Fist?
0: I like Iron Fist. It's a good book. We'll see where it goes. I mean, they've just started and stopped Iron Fist stuff so many times. It's like I—he's
1: plagued with many series at this point.
0: I know it's kind of a bummer because it's like I—I I like him as a character. I like it's that. I mean, it's going to be—I don't know. They're, Marvel's getting ready to do what's his face, and he's part of that whole like. Mystic Asian, like, part of... About the Shang-Chi? Yeah, Shang-Chi, like, the Mystic right. Asian MCU stuff. Like, you know, Iron Fist is part of that. So, like, I don't know.
1: It'll be interesting to see. A lot of people are speculating that we might... At the end of the series, we might get a different Iron Fist. And I'm not exactly sure how heavily that I believe that, because it doesn't seem like, other than the little girl, there's not a, little, a lot of other candidates. And I guess I could see that being a move they would make, but we already have two Iron Fists. We have the gun one... Who still has the power, even though he's not supposed to, and we have Danny. So I, I guess if we make her also an Iron Fist, then maybe we'll see that other dragon with them be what fuels her. I don't know if she'll straight replace him, but I kind of feel like that's where they're heading. Maybe little girl. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of speculation online right now. That that's what's going to happen, and I, I don't necessarily know if I buy it yet. But her and the small dragon, they're they're connected pretty much all the time. So I guess I could see that at some point, but I don't know if this this series would do it. It's only six issues, so and she's still like a kid kid. And even if she's willing to fight, it doesn't change that she's still a kid kid. Is so. that Electra? Uh the one she's carrying, no, that's the daughter of the uh the goddess mother, and I don't remember her name. Oh, it's not Electra. No. Their costumes are very similar though, but it's not it's not Electra. It's the uh the other sex like Iron Fist that's not Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. I just don't know enough to know who that character is by seeing her yeah score for that book there josh I'd
0: Give it like a three i mean i like iron fist i just hope it does something it's just kind of i don't know, I like the little girl and i like the little baby dragon i like luke cage in it like Luke, when luke and um danny are together it's always a good better book like, Yeah, i just i like both characters so much i think that their shows would have done better if they were together instead of separate
1: yeah i can see that they got them mixed up quicker
0: if they would have just been a together show and like, I think they would have been more successful. Just same with their books. Like, they're, they go good. They go very well together. And I don't understand why they don't just put them together. Right. It bugs me.
1: I wish we would have instead got gotten the Defender show. I wish we would have got like, uh, Heroes for Hire and just let the two of them be buddy copping it up. I think that would have been really cool. Yeah. Or just Power Man
0: and Iron Fist. Would that would
1: have been even cooler. You
0: know what I mean? Like, heck yeah, man. And you could just like, everybody else could just be like guest stars. Like, right. I, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, they do better together than they do apart.
1: They do. Even they're they, they add to each
0: other because they're so different, but yet they're, they're very complementary.
1: Right. hundred percent.
0: Like you couldn't have, you know, Axel Foley without, you know, Judge Reinhold. You know, you could just.
1: <laughs> I mean, you could, but it'd be weird. I I would rather not have that be separate that way. Bogle Mill, which I mean, if we get number four, I guess that might be the case, but yeah, they're complimentary. I, I feel you. Um, we'll move on to some, uh, Superman of Metropolis.
0: It is written by Sean Lewis and it is drawn by John Timms. So this thing starts out with, um, a bunch of angry me- metropolans and the military and, um, people from Metropolis have been taken over by a nanotech technology by Andres Trojan, founder of Trojan Solutions and turning people into, these nanotech hybrid things and they've ex- they exiled Lex Luthor, crippled Lex Corp, and then, um, uh, declared the city the free Republican metropolis. This is when the U.S. Army came and our, st- like, onto the streets and Trojan abandoned the city, but left his most dangerous piece of technology behind. So basically the people are like, military go away. The military's like, no, we need to like take this back. And so, um, this is where it kind of picks up. And you have John, son of Lois and Clark and he is Superman at this point on Earth, because I think at this point...
1: Superman's off in space.
0: Parks somewhere. Yeah, I haven't read that story um, yet, but uh, yeah,
1: he's on another planet. But as, a,
0: as, as the time this came out, it's not, we're unsure. And they call each other Zealots, and all of a sudden, there's a little boy calling out for his mom, and the military's firing, and the Zealots are firing, and John's like, that's where I take things in my own hands. So he flies down, and he tells the general, you're going to turn around and leave... And um, and get out of here. And then he like the boy's safe, and he's like, "This super Superman to save me." And uh, and th- the general's like, "Keep firing away and shoots the tank." And then John punches that, and it ricochets off of him. And he's like, "You guys aren't gonna stop me. You guys just need to stop this." So like, he uses his cold breath and like creates an ice wall kind of. And he's like, "The generals like Superman. You're committing a hostile act. Trojan zealots have taken the streets from." From you, this thing, and like, they call them brain cells. It's a threat that you have, you're freeze to put down. And, uh, then John starts talking about well, that brain cells, they're artificially intelligent, connected to Trojan zealots through the technology upgrades that they've made to their skin. Brain cells speak directly to them, turning people into machinery he can control. So it's basically, it happened, um, uh, him and Kara took down Brainiac and this thing grew from Brainiac.
1: Right, this was the remains of what was left after the battle.
0: And so, um, it's talking to John and he's like, Jonathan flies up and talks to this thing and it's like, this is crazy looking, looks like a tennis ball with like a bunch of mouths, really. It's like, all over it and it's it's telling him, uh, Brainiac tried to destroy the city and him and Carr took it out, took it down. And Brain Cells is the name of this thing and it's like, he's like, it's time to go. And he's like, but we don't have to we, uh, we have a bond, D- don't we, Jonathan? You were the first year alone as Superman in the city, you served as Brainiac's last one of traditional life before the Trojan scientist created me from the remnants of skin that you had burned from his flesh. And he's like, well, ah, I didn't really burn it. Car did that, or carry did that. And I was just had him in a headlock. And then, uh, you know, this this thing, this brain cell thing says, well, of course it was Kara. And he's like, wait a minute, John, what's in your hand? And he's like, down below is like, Superman, if you do not exit the building, we'll be forced to take you and that monster down. During this whole time, brain cells like talking to him. It's like, you're just human enough, crypt- you're you you know you're, you're Kryptonian blood to make you interesting, but the great wars you fought these last ten years versus Brainiac and the five empires, the golden gods of Creon, and the time luchadors, what I think is hilarious. It's like some somebody just threw some random things at, like, luchador wrestling, I think.
1: yeah. But- which door um, is hilarious?
0: But you'd have lost the city a million times if you did it on your own. How dare you try to try now without the true Kryptonians, Clark and Kara? And uh, so during this whole time, like John's like flying around doing stuff, like wrapping things up, and then he like pushes something on his wrist, and it says, Kellex, initiate Operation Glass Houses. and like the little like robots that hang out with the Fortress of Solitude, like the little red uh, like red visored gold robot things, kind of like disperse, like come out and like um. And he has this plan, and they, like, kind of circle Metropolis, and it's, like, initiated Superman, Metropolis, I'll shrink Candor technology, reappropriated the old as new again, and be bottled. And they they basically shrink Metropolis and bo- bottle like Kandor was. Yep, straight up Brainiac style. And this, like, this brain cell thing is like, John, I didn't know we had any, and he's like, yeah, most people didn't think I did. And it, like, pans out, and it's, like, this massive, like, hole, And there's like the sit there's surrounding city stuff still around it, but there's this massive hole, and the ocean is just spilling into this massive hole, which is like,
1: yeah, the whole harbor, all of it spilling into what used to be the the heart of most of Metropolis, which is is
0: massively Huge, huge, yeah. And so, um, and then it shows Jonathan back at the Fortress of Solitude, and uh, still talking to Brain Cell, and uh, he's like, "Do you think the citizens will celebrate your placing their home on a serving tray?" Like they don't even know they've been shrunk. They just know they're safe inside the glass. Cause it basically it cut them off from this nanotechnology. They like yeah, cut, the waves it, that
1: were controlling them and, them. and it
0: cut them off from this, like, this brain cell thing. Yeah, That's what it seemed. And it's like, brain cells not happy about it. But, uh, Supergirl shows up. And at this point, she's pretty much the most powerful thing. Cause, like, you know, Cal's not there anymore. So she's pretty much just. The strongest thing is currently on Earth. Yeah. And she's, and she's pissed. And she's like, So I found a giant hole where Metropolis used to be. That was Trojans handiwork, so I went to all his bases across the world and destroyed them. Then I had a lovely interaction with the US military who told me it was actually Superman who destroyed Metropolis. And then I told them, Follow me, I need someone to, I need someone to make sure I don't murder him in cold blood. And so she's just like just the fact that she pissed. even said murder is crazy. I mean, I don't know if she's joking or not. And uh the brain cell thing is like, you know, relax, he didn't destroy it, he only shrunk it, he's like, Kara, I, you don't understand, and she's like, I don't care, we're going to hand over brain cells when the military arrives, and then they're going to step down a super, or you're going to step down a superman, and he's like, what? He's like, you know, brain cells, like, a voice of reason, her beauty, and, and bona, bona fides impress. and uh, his, and then John's is like, his language is, like, fixating on her and his circuits just been glowing ever since Kara arrived. I think I always say Kara for some odd reason because Kara's aural, like, Kara like yeah. cow, like I don't know. But uh But anyway, like there's no discussion that the military isn't already they'll call they'll they'll be here soon. And so something with brain cell is like acting with her DNA and make like heightening her her senses and uh she's getting like fired up and getting angry. Yeah, Angrier yeah. than she normally would be. Overly agitated. And like punches John right in the face and like brain cells is rooting for it to be like yeah, yeah, do it, do it.
1: Egging her on the trash him, yeah.
0: And uh so and he's like the nephrodium and and she's like, if you weren't ever you're and she's saying horrible things like you weren't ever worthy of Superman John. You put the city you were sworn to protect in a bottle and uh and this brain cell thing's like like Krypton, like like kryptonite it affects pure kryptonians that aren't and aren't the effects fascinating because she's just getting fired up and it's like super angry. But because John is like part human, it
1: doesn't, affect doesn't
0: have the same effect on him. Just like kryptonite doesn't have the, quite the same effect on him. Yep. And he's like, and, and, but he's smart enough because he's like, you know, I gotta find another way because, you know, she's way too strong. And then all of a sudden a bunch of drones show up. And he's like, and he's like, I'm just kidding. Like, all you could send is a bunch of like drones. Like, you can't send actual soldiers. And then the dr- the drones start talking. He's like, "Can you confirm the AI known as Brain Cells is within your your campus, along with the city of metropolis?" And he's like, "I don't have time for this. You sent toy planes after me." And they're like, "Our drones are equipped with kryptonite blasts. You took a city off U.S. soil." And then he starts talking about how like the fortress salt is Antarctica. It's out of
1: like legal airspace. Yeah, you can't sovereign land.
0: And so you know he starts fighting with Supergirl again. And he, she's asking him, like, why, like, a, a city that you're sworn to protect and you turn them into prisoners, and he's like, they're not prisoners, they're safe, the zealots were all linked to him, they were controlled by him, and now they're all free. And, sh- and she says, you didn't think that you were controlling them by doing this? You don't even know what putting them in a bottle will do? And, he, and he's like, yeah, you're right, I thought so much about the danger of keeping them safe, I didn't think, and then an explosion happens in and she's like explain it to me and then it go it flashes back and like there's an old steelworks lab that flew off before comforting any of the people that 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 we, or there was a steelworks lab that they sa- that they that they saved and be- and she flew off and b- before comforting any of the people and he stuck around and listened to what they had to say and uh cuz you know he has More of a heart than his, like his dad, and she she never has, because
1: she's... She's Kryptonian, never grew the same way they did.
0: Yeah. She wasn't raised on Earth. And they were talking about Trojan and Azelits, and how they felt disposable, and they didn't trust the government, and they didn't trust Trojan Solutions. Most of all, they didn't trust people flying around, and flying in to save the day, and then flying away while they're still struggling. And this one woman says, the job isn't done, just because the fire is out. Mr. Subban, you know what I'm saying? And he was just like, I needed to buy some time because I, I had to figure this thing out. Because he knew that Trojan Zealots were, there was, it was deeper than than anybody knew. And so he had to figure it out on a different level. And like saving that little boy, it was more than just saving the little boy um, as Supergirl comes charging in with all of the drones. So this massive ship comes through while like, like John's kind of thinking about things and Kara's just like, that ship, it's huge. How could they mask? I, I never even heard it coming. And John's like, Metropolis, we need to secure it. And she flies in, and she's like, I'm already on it, and flies in there. But uh John's like, where's Brain Cells? And the, bot- the city's missing. Well, she thinks it's missing. He's like, it's not missing. And then Brain Cells is like, it's in my care. I told you, John, you're predictable like all humans. And his circuitry, circuitry begins glowing again like it did the first time when car- Kara was close. And she's like, "Give me the bottle." And he's like, "Super, Supergirl, don't." There's something going on with the Neurodium, which is like it's kind of like the it, it's somehow like it's like some kind of crazy pheromone thing that like amps up Kryptonians and makes them angry,
1: right? That's so what he's um, been using to make her so angsty and fight John the way she has been.
0: And it, it he
1: full on. Ba- he's not controlling her, but he's basically heightening her to, to just makes her more aggro, yeah.
0: But like, um, brain cells like shoots this green blast. I'm sure some. some Kryptonite thing. It's like he's saying that that Neurodium, is it's deadly to Kryptonians. That's why they instinctually become so aggressive around it. And John's like, you're gonna end up like the charred flesh you were made from. Because he's now he's pissed. He's like, he's like, I wouldn't, John. After all my travels, would not survive it. Because it's like inside him, like he's got control of it now.
1: He's basically feeding off the people inside of him.
0: And he's like, and I didn't agree with others. John isolation was the only choice. You saw that that boy almost shot and had to do something something extreme. It was the only option you had. And he's like, oh, that's what it was. You created that boy to do that thing. And he's like, he's like, I am born of Brainiac's flesh, John. This con- conservationist spirit runs in... Or his conservationist spirit runs inside of me. He's like, like him, I'll protect Metropolis from its greatest threats, most notably you, and it flies into that massive ship that was up above. So basically, he's becoming the new Brainiac.
1: Pretty much, yeah. And no.
0: now it has Metropolis under its control, which is kind of kind of creepy and kind of weird. It's kind of a cool story. Like, I mean, I like John is more of an adult. You know, I didn't, I didn't like when they turned him like five years older, made him a teenager, and like left Damien young. Because I like the, the Super Sons thing. I thought was really rad because they were right. both young. Yeah, but they were the same age. You know, they were both like, I don't know, like nine or ten or eleven, yeah, like together ish. Yeah. You know, like I thought that was neat. And Then he runs off with like. Zora Was it Zor-El? Yeah. With comes his, with comes, his comes back as, like, kind of a teeny... I don't know. It was odd. That that was a weird choice to me. Like, that was stupid, because, like, him and Damien had such a cool dynamic. But, uh, this is way different than that.
1: Um. Yeah, whenever he ran off with jor they put him in the it seems time like, loop thing to make him older.
0: It seems like he has a lot more control over his powers than, like, Connor did at this age. Or even, like, a little bit younger than him. Like, he's, like... He's had his powers for a lot longer than Connor did, so like he's just a little bit more in control. Of what's going on? Like he has heat vision, he has flight, he has super strength, but right.
1: well, he has the benefit of even though he's partially human, he's partially human from a, a pairing rather than a Peach tree dish and like super science weirdness and Lex Luthor digging around your DNA. So like he, he works more appropriately than Connor would have. Just because of... the Connor's more
0: powerful,
1: Oh, yeah, strength-wise, he's stronger, for sure. I think...
0: We'll see. I mean, at this point, we'll see. But, like, you know, John's been alive, you know, at this point, just as long-ish.
1: Age-wise, I mean, he'd be about the age that Connor would have been whenever we were dealing with Connor originally. Now, if Connor's still around somewhere, which we expect to see him in one of the other books, he'll be older, and, like, all his problems when he was trying to figure out how to control his powers was all because of the DNA splicing that Lex Luthor had done to him. So, like, he wasn't put together right in the first place. So he had that as a negative to his whole functioning.
0: It's a cool book, but, like, I, you know, I'm not sure where they're headed with the whole thing. And I know that this thing's, like, as we talked about it, we did the, the special episode on just the Future State thing, but it's kind of, it's this whole massive thing, which it's, like, again, like, it seems like a big Elseworlds crossover thing, which anything can happen, and it is what it is.
1: Right futures never get to. I think his
0: costume's cool. I wish he had a cape. Everything about his costume is rad to me, but it's the lack yeah. of a cape. Like I think Kara's, Kara's suit is, is oh, cool. cool. Yeah, like they 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 solve the problem. The, here's the Superman problem all the time. Everybody always hates the red undies, but then like if they take them away, there's no color breakup in that part of the body. But they do bre- they do it on these guys. They like they break up the shoulders and the. You know, the cording down the sides, like they break up with the blue and the red, so it, it looks cool. Right. And I like it a lot. Like, I think they did a good job on that. Like, John is a lot like his dad. He has a heart. He wants to protect the people. He wants to protect the kids. Like, and, like, that's kind of, that's not who Kara is. And I I don't know. Like, it's, it's inter- like, it's, it's interesting. Like, I'm, you know, it kind of picks up, like, it's already in the heat of things. Like, so there's off. no lead up into what's going on. It's kind of like, Full oh, on in the middle oh, of battle. And so, and I, you know, I haven't read enough to know what, I don't know if this, this creation happened in a previous book or if it was created for this thing or.
1: Say this is the first we've heard of it.
0: So anyway, it's interesting. Like it's, it's a new version, like a created version basically of Brainiac. But Brainiac, does Brainiac ever really go away?
1: Not, not really.
0: You know, so it's just like, I don't know. It's, we'll see where it goes. So, you know, I give it a, I, I give it a four. Like It's, it's a cool Superman story. That doesn't involve the original Superman. Right. Um, the art's fantastic. It looks really, really good. It's very pretty. And I like seeing some Supergirl and costume design. The story's really fascinating. It's interesting. I'm curious to where it goes. It's, I know, I I don't know if I did it justice by explaining it over like through the podcast. So like definitely pick it up and read it because it's like, it's kind of hard to explain without like, the thing that's the bad guy, like it's the, got a
1: bunch of different levels to like who the actual bad guy is. It's
0: just it's it's very sci-fi weird, kind of bizarre. So, I mean, I like it as what it is, but
1: yeah, well, uh, well yeah, I give it a three and a half. The art is fantastic, and like the play between the two of them is is cool for as messed up as it is, and like how she's being affected and why she's behaving the way she is once we realize that. It's a cool, like, shoe drop to explain what's happening. But yeah, as far as like a story, th- the first half of the books pr- it's pretty good. I'm interested to see what they what they do with the next step. And it's nice seeing this new version of John doing things. So yeah, I give it a three. Oh, three and yeah, I give it three and a half for the first for the first part. All right, then we'll move into uh, the uh, Gung Ho, sexy beast number one. This is from Ablaze Comics. Uh, is written by uh, Benjamin von Eckerns- Eckertsberg and is uh, drawn by Thomas von Kermont. Um This is from uh, Ablaze. They they do a batch of uh, Sumerian books as well, and they're, they're the same ones that did the uh, their re release of the Unsacred um, that we did a review of maybe three or four episodes ago, uh, and they're the ones that do the book Kids, the one with the zombies and the the kids, go figure. Um, so, when this book first opens up, there's a, there's a, a panel of uh, text, like a couple paragraphs, and basically the paragraphs tell us that there was, in the near future, we have a thing called the White Plague happen. And the White Plague decimated the planet's population, and the civilization, as we know, it was changed, bitter, and became a bittersweet memory. Um, the world's a dangerous place, and if you want to survive, the only way to do that is in fortified cities and settlements. So think very like uh, apocalyptic, but not all technology's gone away. And uh, if you're a child in this particular time frame, once you become a teenager, especially if your teenager doesn't have parents, you get relocated to a settlement that's more near the danger zone. Um, which our two main characters, for the most part, uh, is Zach and then Archer. Uh, the last name of the two characters is Good Goodwoody, so it's a set of brothers that have been sent to this particular outpost, which is closer to the danger zone, uh, because it's easier for kids to get away. Basis that we get out of it is what the write-up says. Uh, but this is settlement number 16, uh, a.k.a. Fort Apache. Um, when the book first opens up, art-wise, we have a batch of, uh, not like kid kids, but like, I don't know, teenager types being called to come pick up their guns. And uh, as they come through, like, the first guy gets this crazy machine gun thing, the second guy gets a, looks like a like a Beretta with a couple clips, and the next guy gets a, a submachine gun. And so we got them all out there, like, showing off their guns to each other. And then now uh, we hear the, oh, next, next to last, and it's Zach Goodwoody, one of our main characters. He's the one getting his last, he's the last one lying to get a weapon. So he comes running up, and he's like, oh, finally. And as he runs up, we see three or four Different kids, save the ones we saw earlier, all out there with their weapons, and uh, there's a whole barrage of them, like different guns, different people. Anyway, he gets up there, and the the guy who's getting out the gun says, "Well, being your last of the litter son, it's not the not the best picks." And we see a table, and on the table we have a crossbow, a regular bow, a six shooter, a sawed off shotgun. Those are the choices that are left. And of course, the, the kid's not happy about it because all the other guns are way cooler. And as far as a thing, he's like, oh, who can use a crossbow that way? You have to load it in the heat of battle. That's never going to do anybody any good. So he kind of downplays the different weapons. And then the, uh, the gunsmith gives him the side-off shotgun and he says, it's, it's good close up. And because you're getting the, the, the last, of the stock and you're the run to the litter, he also gives him the six-shooter. So he basically got two guns, but the six-shooter only has six bullets left and the sawed-off shotgun will not do you any good at a distance. He basically tells him that, which, of course, he's not real happy about. And I mean, there's some dialogue exchange there. Uh, then we cut to later in the day, and we uh, see a, kind of a shot of where this town is. It's located on the outside edge of, a, like, a harbor. And uh, we've got a couple of kids out there fishing, and another one sitting up on top of a dock, like, lifeguard style, playing a guitar, and then a batch of them that are floating on a raft in the middle of the uh, the little lake and they're either being high school kids, you know, splashing water on each other, playing or whatever. And two of them, um, our main character, Zach and this girl character, um, they're kissing, and we see that there's another girl who's watching this all happen, who's also in her swimsuit, but she's sitting over in the bushes, just next to her gun, staring the whole situation down, as if she's upset that they're out there playing. And uh, we get some inner monologue from her, and... Talking about how the world's changed and these, they, all the rest of the kids need to realize the change because you can die so quickly. And, um, as that's going on, we wind up ha- hearing this crazy, like, screeching type sound. And, uh, then also we hear this paw, 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 paws, the noise that they give us. And, uh, we see this crazy looking, what looks like a white monkey, with a crazy, like, jackal face, come darting out of the forest at, the at our girl sitting out there with her machine gun. She grabs it up and starts shooting, and of course, everyone else looks and starts freaking out because this is the closest to any of these things have ever come to the uh, to the island before. And uh, ultimately, she winds up shooting all of them, but she shoots a lot of bullets, which we wind up finding out uh, later that she gets in trouble for. Uh, but as that's going on, of course, uh, the other boys grab their guns, and they run up to try to help, and she tells them, no, just get to safety. And as they're trying to all regroup, they wind up in the boat, and they roll themselves over to the dock. As they're all kind of talking to each other, like, oh, I can't believe they crossed the water. Like, this is the first time those beasts have ever done that. And then one of the adults comes running down, and he's like, Whoa, what's going on? What's happening? And they tell him, Well, that a couple of the monsters, like, came came at them across the water. And, uh, he, he mentions to himself that's the first time they've ever seen them do that. So apparently, up to this point, the crazy monkey looking jackal things have never been willing to come across the water at any of the people. And, uh, he, of course, as Archer, the, One of the other brother, he's like, I thought you were on guard duty. Why didn't you alert anybody? And he's like, Oh, well, I kind of was. He's like, All right, that's it. We're gonna, we're gonna put it into effect a lockdown. No more swimming at the swimming hole unattended by adults. And of course, that makes the kids all upset. And then he looks at the, uh, the girl who used a machine gun, which is Pauline. And she's like, He's like, how many did you kill? She's like, I have no idea. Maybe three. He's like, You fired at least 20 rounds. Of course, she's using a machine gun. This is where she gets her little lecturing about. Even though she saved everyone, pretty much, she shot too many shots and wasted the ammunition. And in this world, ammunition is scarce. Anyhow, so the kids all reluctantly go back to town and they get hand their mandate that they're no longer allowed to go out by themselves like that. And Even with they have a, a guard with them, they're not allowed to do that. And so they all decide, well, if we're going to be stuck here at the home base, you know, I guess we'll have to make our own fun. And so the group of them kind of start practicing, like, fighting off each other, like, as if one's the attacker and one's not, and going through training drills, and a group of them kind of walk walk off, lamenting the idea they can't go out and high school make out anymore. And, uh, in the process of that, we wind up finding out that, uh, majority of the group would rather be safe than make out with each other, and one of the boys is like, ah man, we're not gonna get to see you girls in your bikinis anymore. And she, like, pulls off her shirt and she's like, I'll go around my bikini all day, if it'll keep everybody safe. So, like, it, the whole setup is very, uh, I don't know. It's, it's very. It's like a sort of like a zombie situation except without zombies. Anyway, uh, we come from there to the evening, and we have a few of the uh, adults talking. The fellow who showed up at the uh, at the harbor initially to question everyone, and a few of the other directors. And it turns out that one of the food supplies that was supposed to show up at the village got hijacked by someone. They don't know who. They're not sure whether it was another city, another faction, or if it was the monsters, but because of that, they're going to have to tighten their rations because they're not getting anything else till the next shipment and that the current controlling government system is not willing to send anymore. So they all kind of decide, well, we're going to have to tighten up and put a tighter leash on everyone, ration everything different, and at this point we're going to have to go find who took our stuff. Otherwise, we're not going to make it. So we cut from there the next day and we've got one of the boys sneaking around and he opens up this panel on the ground and pulls out this bag of contraband, which is cigarettes and, like, candy and stuff. And then he's sitting on the front of this house, and, uh, one of the other girls comes up, which is the first time we've ever seen her, and she's, like, trying to buy drugs from him, like, uppers, downers, painkillers, whatever. And he's like, oh, I don't have any that kind of stuff. If you want to get that kind of stuff, you're gonna to have to go see somebody else. And she's like, I don't really want to go see that guy. He's like, eh, well, I ain't got nothing for you. And so she goes off to another, like, uh, house along the same area sort of and it, the way they behave is like this would be the drug dealer house and this is the house you don't want to mess with and that's kind of where the book ends so we get a glimpse of what's going on in the universe we know what the problem is going to be eventually they're going to have to send somebody to find all the stolen rations but who exactly stole the rations and who it is who it is they're really going after we don't really know so it could be this faction of older not teenagers, because the guy selling the, the cigarettes and the drugs, he's not a teenager. He's not one of the kids we saw before. So where he fits exactly is, is outside the main group, I guess. But he's still part of their quote-unquote town. Uh, anyhow, the, uh, the, book, the art in the book is pretty good. I mean, it's got like a cool, like, there's not a lot of hard lines in it. So everything is colored with a seamless kind of uh, art style to it. Um, I mean, it's, it looks very digital, but not in a bad way. Uh, Whereas normal art, you have, like, your line art, and then you have your color. This is devoid of major lines, so it's got a really cool look to it. Um, The monster things, the the crazy monkey-looking, like, jackal things, look crazy. I mean, they're pretty good monkey monster. Um, Interesting to see what the next book does. I mean, it's an an indie book, too. I want to say this was a European comic that's just been translated. But, yeah, uh, score-wise, I I give it a 3. It's pretty crazy, um, interesting, but it's a, survival, it's a survival horror story, so if you like that kind of stuff, you'll like it. Um, Josh, you know anything about the uh, gung-ho sexy beast? It seems to me kind of like that movie The Beach, Leonardo DiCaprio, where like, a bunch of young kids go and they like, live reckless lives. That's what the, the look of it is very like that. I mean, we have the adults that are supposed to be running everything, but the kids kind of seem to be doing their own thing until we get to the middle. Once we get to the middle, we have the weird attack after they give them the curfew, which is, I mean, before that it seemed more haphazard. And the fact they're handing them all out guns at the very beginning, they're like, here's your gun. It, It, yeah, it seems not entirely lawless because clearly the adults are in charge, but the way the kids behave, yeah, I can see the beach thing. And of course, the way they're all dressed looks very like that too.
0: Um, I mean, the arts, it's different. Like, I haven't seen art like this before. It's a little odd. I like it, weirdly. I don't know why I do, but it's it's kinda it's very clean and it's uh
1: like it's devoid of normal comic lines, which is yeah, what I was saying. Yeah,
0: it doesn't have a lot of hard black outlines yeah. but it's very, very clean and I like it. It's like bright and easy to see and follow things, which I appreciate, which is kind of like I don't know. It's almost watercolory to an extent, a little bit, but I don't know. I enjoyed it. Uh, I give it a three and a half, especially for an indie. Again, like my problem with indies is always like you get like a where does it go? Does you know? Right. Does it fall off? Like you know, they they put so much into that first book, and then after you know, then they're like, oh my gosh, we, and then we gotta we gotta follow this up, and then just you like either falls off or it doesn't come out, or if it comes out late and they have to get a different artist, or just you know, there's so many things that always happen with indie books like that. So like. You know, if it finishes itself and it finishes on the note that it starts on, that it could be a really cool book. Right. It's interesting, but other than that, like, you know, we'll see.
1: Right. Yeah, that, that's always a pitfall in there, which... I mean, if this really is just a, an adapted one, then it means that there's a full version of that out there somewhere, just in another language, but... A, as a thing, yeah, you, you never really know till you get, like, the third or fourth issue. So you saw that this was adapted? Well, all the other books they put out have been... I mean, they're the same ones that did Unsacred and the same ones that did, uh... Oh, gosh. It is a translation
0: book. by Ivanka Hannenberger, so, like, it is it is translated from something else. Right.
1: But Remember the kids' book we did? The one with the zombies and the the young kids in the uh, oh, yeah. town? It's the same company. Oh, okay. So, they're also doing a batch of the Sumerian books, which the Sumerian books, I don't know if they came out before or not, but they're adapted off the novels, so it's conan but it's not conan which is also kind of weird cuz marvel has conan
0: well there's a backup story of that in there right and it looks like red son
1: now they're dealing with the frost the, the frost giant's daughter which she's kind of looks like that but she, that's not who she is yeah it's interesting like how that part is different cuz it's supposed to be like based off the guy's novels that aren't owned by the initial property i guess Hmm. So I don't entirely understand how that works as a thing, but yeah. So you have Conan books that is Marvel Conan, and then you have the Cimmerian, which I don't, I don't think they actually call him Conan in the stories. But I guess I'm not sure of that. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at a couple of them to see. But yeah, they're the same company doing that one, so interesting because it seems like they do a lot of translated stuff. Right on. We'll move on to the second half of the uh, Superman of Metropolis, the Guardian. Well, it's not the second half; it's just the third part. The Guardian story in the Superman of Metropolis, issue one. It's head part three in the book. We're skipping the Shiloh Norman story, moving on to the Guardian story. For those following at home, that's what's happening.
0: <laughs> so this is a backup story in the uh, Superman of Metropolis book, um, which is a pretty big book, actually. It's a five mm-hmm. ninety nine book, so it's very large. It's got three stories in it. so yep. also a Mr. Miracle story in it as well. Right. Um, but this is The Guardian, and it's written by Sean Lewis and um, Colleen Hamner and Michael Avon-Oming, the two, or the artists, that's split in half. And this book takes place after John has already put everybody in the bottle. Yep. Um, and it begins, it kind of jumps back and forth between time. Um, this is Metropolis, six months in from when they got and put in the bottle, bottle. Yep. and uh somebody's talking to what you come to find out is Jimmy Olson, because she says, "Olson, look at how gross your city has become, Olson." And uh, whoever's, you know, it's, it's uh, a guardian who's narrating the story, most of the story. Right. It's like, you know, the air quality's dipping, the food is running low, Trojan Zealots have splintered off and run underground without their leader. Um, on the streets, we're just as lost. And that's why I'm staring an ambulance with enough explosives to destroy Metropolis University. Who am I? And who put me up to this? And, uh, let me introduce myself. And he's like, this is Guardian, Protector of Metropolis. While Superman is gone, I want to know who the heck I'm dealing with. And, uh, you get this woman who they, they call me Honest Mary and you aren't a hero, Guardian. You are an overqualified EMT. And you were just here to deliver body bags, and then after that point, the ambulance he's driving, which is on fire, which is full of explosives, he crashes it off of a bridge, and it's in midair. And Guardian says, "I left New York City so I could ha- live a normal life in Metropolis with Superman around. Who'd need a he- who'd who'd need me trying to be a hero?" <laughs> and then it flashes back 24 hours earlier in a different part of Metropolis, and uh. Jimmy Olsen and Guardian are meeting in a diner and they're having a conversation. And Jimmy Olsen's older, um, beard and hair. Right. Uh, he's talking about, I was like, Have you seen those billboards around town that say he needs your help? He's like, I'm the one that have been, and he's whispering, He's like, I'm the one that's been doing that. And he's like, Well, why are you putting it off? He's like, Because I believe Clark will check on us and he'll see it and he'll come help. But before he does, we need pictures of us of a soup patrolling the city to make everyone feel calm. And the guardian like, is like, you mean me? He's like, yeah. And, uh, all of a sudden, cause there's a bunch of people outside just rioting and being crazy. Um, somebody breaks the glass, throws a trash can through it. And so, uh, guardian jumps out there and starts taking care of business and fighting people. And, uh, does some captain America kind of stuff, stuff and then bounces the show off the wall and knocks some people down. But he sees a woman in a hood and, uh, and he's like, who are you? And she disappears. And then all of a sudden, the woman that was in the, di- the waitress in the diner is like, uh, hey, your friend disappeared. You good for the check? And so it flashes forward a little bit. And, uh, you know, Guardian's running through doing his, his, uh, vigilantes looking stuff. And he's like, you know, Jimmy's been gone for a, f- a few days and I haven't been able to find him. The Daily Planet can't find him. They're worried. say so he don't, he doesn't disappear like this. And then it goes to a, uh, Guardian watching a, a bunch of news channels. is like, Baker Line, Suicide Slum, Metropolis University, Hell's Gate Estates, a bunch of different sects like um sub like suburbs not I guess, not suburbs just
1: like like sections of the city different parts of the city yeah, yeah. Watch like, long, di- long, different watch boroughs
0: long. I guess the word I'm yeah, looking for yeah boroughs that's good um and they're all saying they're all talking about the protests and you know it, they asked if people feel undervalued which they do and be honest um Mary Capshaw we're in bioengineering with her. And she's my daughter, and she calls me the same thing, calls me everyone phonies, and they're just talking about this married person.
1: Right. She's been part of the protests and helping cause people to riot and get out of control. Uh, and, and that's the, she's like the leader of these. They're not really zealots. They're just like people that are pissed that they're trapped inside the bubble. And she's just fueling them to do things because she wants them to see the truth. Mar-
0: but I mean, you don't know that yet.
1: Well, we don't know. It's just her doing it. But as a thing, like when the mother's talking to the TV station, it makes it sound like her mom's giving an interview about how her daughter says the same stuff. We don't realize that too. We're dealing with when the mom's talking about it. That comes like here in the next couple pages.
0: Yes, I mean you're just skipping ahead, but yeah, um, it's my fault. But you you see like a hand with a wand tapping on an old t- TV. And, in it's Guardian still talking, is like, I'd hang over the side of the couch, staring upside down at my television, and I'd see Black Ladding and Steel, heroes who looked like me. They had Star Labs where the brightest minds were turning sci-fi magazines into everyday realities. He's, and he says, like, I'd look at Metropolis to think, if I could get close to that amazingness, I could be amazing too. He's like, but instead, I'm just dealing with the disappearing ant. Jimmy, where are you? And it's weird, cause there's like, this magician hand, and a, like a magician's hat, and it's just like the smoke come billing out of it. Which, to me, it reminds me of like Zatanna, but, uh, but that's not the thing. But And then it flashes back to 12 hours later, and, he, and uh, he's talking to the same waitress, like, and he leads. And she's like, nope, like like he vanished into thin air. And, and, and she's like, well, maybe maybe he did. And he's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You we were just talking to me a couple, a couple of days ago. She's just like, here's the deal. You know, Metropolis isn't your everyday thing. It's like it's a different city. Like anything can happen here. And then all of a sudden, a newsboy runs in and yells, "Guardian, uh, you got to come quick! Mister Olson was kidnapped off the street. He said to find you." And then it shows a flashback of Jimmy Olson saying, "Tell me it was Honest Mary. She rigged a bomb to the Rover ambulance." And then this, the newsboy points at the ambulance and says, "There it is." And so Guardian runs after her and jumps in the ambulance. And then it flashes to. Honest Mary on top of the, the uh, Daily Planet Globe with Jimmy Olsen all tied up. And she's like, Do you like the view? I saw the graffiti you posted. Very interesting, old oh, Mr. Olsen. Made me think if you want to get seen by Superman, the most truthful way to do it is go up in the clouds where he is. And Jimmy's like, Look, I don't know what you want with me. And she's like, I want you to be honest. I saw you share pie with Guardian. I know you're secretly telling him to police us while. Your Superman loses his mind. You worship these heroes and geniuses. I worked with Andres Trojan. He hated people. He wanted to turn them into slaves for that monster brain cells. Whereas me, I love people, so I need them to be free. And then he's like, free them? And then it's Guardian jumps on the ambulance and gets inside and busts through, and he's like, you know, it's time for me to be the big hero, and... So I I, I got a, I got a choice. So I crash the ambulance and, or that's what Mary's expecting. And, like, I got to think outside the box because, like, Metropolis, anything can happen. And uh, if there wasn't a box, the hero would lose, the hero would die. And so as Mary's up on talking to Jimmy and telling him what's going on, that, you know, he, he figures out Mary, uh, Mary Capshaw's her name. And he's like, I met your mom. And if I'm being honest, you're going to tie a little brat. And Terror isn't gonna get get glasses raised for you in Baker line. But he says, I gotta I got outside the box and all you see is like him drive and drive it off the bridge and then an explosion and Jimmy yells no. But um you see the last page coming face to face with an honest world and the Guardian chill just kinda floating there. So we gotta figure what a Guardian do.
1: Did he make it? Did he not make it? Dun dun dun! That's the cliffhanger for uh for his story. But yeah, it's cool how it connects to the previous badger story. And like her whole idea is that she wants the 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 ambulance to crash and explode on the wall because she thinks that'll break the glass and set the city free, which is crazy. Because she has no idea what's inside Brainiac doing whatever Brainiac's doing, which is also crazy. But yeah. It, Decent enough story. I mean, it's a it's a different art style. The art's not bad. It's a weird score in the second half of a book by itself, but yeah, score for that story.
0: I it like a, th- I give a three. I don't know. It's, it's I like the art a lot actually. Weird, do I like the art more than I like the story. I like Jimmy Olsen being a part of it. I thought that was cool, but I'm kind of curious. 'Cause she does I, I didn't I didn't get that that she was trying to crash into the wall. She it just was supposed to crash into the university.
1: But I thought the university was at the wall. Like the two things were next to each other. Oh, I didn't see that. So anyway, yeah. Uh, story wise, like I give it a three also. Like uh as far as a thing i like it. I like it. I like that story better than I like the, the middle story, the Shiloh Norman one. It's okay. It does have the benefit of also happening in the same like Trapped world, or trapped inside the, uh, trapped inside the the bottle city of metropolis in a bottle. So like the way those two fit and the way they connect is pretty cool.
0: I don't understand like what John was thinking. Like I get it, like trying to break them of their connection to the nanotechnology. I get that to Like what though. did he think the food and like I don't, I didn't get that. Like.
1: I don't think he expected it to stay that way that long. I think he just thought this would stop the fighting between the U.S. government and the people being controlled. If he broke the signal inside the city, he would let all those people go back to normal. I don't think he expected Brainwave to swoop in there and be like, nope, these are my people now, and take off with them. So, I don't think that he thought this would happen. I think he thought that he was separating the two factions, and it would keep the battle from happening, save the people, which is why Brainwave made the kid in the first place, to trick him to making action. So like, it's all part of Brainwave's like plot. So I don't think John expected it to last this long. According to this, I mean, it's been six months, which is crazy.
0: Which takes place after the fact because it seemed like it only had just happened in the beginning of the story. Yep. So,
1: which is also crazy. Well, after the Guardian, you want to move on to a little bit of Darth Vader, number five.
0: Darth Vader number five <coughs> is uh, titled "Dark Heart of the Sith," and um, it's written by Greg Pak and drawn by Raphael Yanko. Picks up where Vader's looking for. But he teams up with Sabe, which is, um, Padme's, um,
1: body double.
0: And they're trying to find who's responsible for killing Podme. And, uh, picks up a, her tomb. It's like the stone tomb thing. And, uh, on Naboo, Invader's looking at it. And, um, Sabe saying that, that he's like, she's yelling at him like, you can't desecrate. Desecrator, he can't break open the tomb, basically, and uh, and the dro- there's a droid there, and it's like, well, of course he can He's Lord Vader. He came here for answers, and she's like, no, and uh, and he starts doing it, and then all of a sudden, um, she he kind of flashes back and thinks in his head and about choking her to
1: death, right?
0: And has a second, and he's like, oh yeah, excellent call. We don't want to disturb the site and potentially destroy any evidence, and then like the. Droid starts scanning it and he's like aha, there it is, a med implant stamped and traceable. And uh, the um, Sabe was like ah and he's like she says, Hailing all Amadalins, Vader has a new destination, stand by for coordinates and the um there's some dark troopers outside. Or death troopers, maybe? I'm not sure. I think they're death troopers. Yeah, and, uh, they're getting ready to unload on her because they're trying to go to the to the destination, and Vader kinda. Just basically stops. Kills them because they're trying to kill her.
1: Yeah. And
0: because they're speaking a weird language, and, uh, and he's like, Go, Sabe, tell, tell all your friends, tell them to meet me at Polis Masa. And then in Vader's head, he's like, Where you hid her, where, where you hid my son where I will make an end to this all. And uh, as the Imperial shuttle lands, Invader comes off. Um, he's talking... Uh, the droids tell him, it's a former rebel base discovered years ago, bombarded by Imperial troops. I detect no surviving organic life forms, Where would we... I he's like, ah, the starport control, of course. And the- so this- the whole time the droid's kind of talking about what's going on. He's like, um... There's a lot damaged, but not disordered. Let's see what he can find. And finds out that there was a uh, Naboo J-type star skiff transporting Padme... And two droids, and flown by the notorious Jedi Obi Wan. Um, she was injured. He apparently brought her her here to to try to save her life. And Vader's like Kenobi, because he doesn't realize it. And then he flashes back to, you know, Kenobi um, standing there and Padme saying "I love you," and she, you know, he's yelling at her like from the end of a Revenge of the Sith. Yep. And uh, just
1: before being cut up and left in the lava.
0: And and he's like, "There's a." You know, I can't access the medical logs. If the database still exists, we'll have to tap, into direct, tap in directly from the medical fields, facility across the way. Um, but then also a bunch of Amidalans, or, uh, n- um uh, Nubians.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. They call them Amidalans, I guess, because they're just like yeah. loyal to, to Padme. To Padme. Uh,
1: so they're looking for some of the same answers that he is. But,
0: but there's some, like, some big, yeah, there's some, like, starfighters and, uh, some bigger ships, and he just, it's just him and his lightsaber. And the droid's like, I'm afraid, uh, that me, the droid says, that may be easier said than done getting across to the medical place. And Vader's like, the Amidalans, and the droid's like, I'm afraid so, my lord. And he's like, I'm not. And they're like, the Amidalans are like, look, it's Vader, alright, attack. And they start like shooting from starships. And like, with just his lightsabers and the force, he's like, I mean, there's some dark troopers that are shooting, like, some, some, uh...
1: Yeah, he's got some foot soldiers with him, but it's not, like... Well, there's some, like, force. some ground,
0: some ground yeah. cover, some lasers from there. But, uh, like, they're, like, just, like, whooping ass. Like, they're not, like, they're, like, the amidalans are, like, doing nothing. Like, which right. I thought was odd. And the ones on the ground, they're, like, charging in. Invaders just, like, crushing, like, the ships with his, with the force. And just throwing things and crashing you know, the, the fighters into the actual soldier, the Amidala soldiers. And while he's doing it, he's like thinking about back from when him and Kenobi are fighting and he's choking Padme and Kenobi cuts his legs and his arm off. And, um, the, you're my brother, Anakin, I loved you part. And she's like crying. She's like, Anakin. And he's just like going full on this angry Sith warrior guy, which again, to me is like a, a little, it's a little weak. This scene is just because it's like, I don't know. He's just basically just pulling starfighters out of the sky and stuff. Like, and then after after the smoke clears, the he, the droid's like, "All right, this way." Um, they, he falls on the maternity ward. He's like, "What do the records say?" He's like, "The data core has been destroyed." Vader gets pissed and punches something. He's like, "Ah, I'm sorry, Lord Vader, but there's nothing here to recover." He's like, "Wait, a croon-ton bee machine midwifery droid." She's badly damaged, but at least part of her memory bank appears to be. And then it flashes and you can see Padme like on the table. And she says, Obi-Wan. And then that droid's like, that name again. He must have been very important to her. And Vader cuts the droid in half. And then it's just Padme saying, there's good in him. I know. Um, I know there's still. And then it just blanks, blanks out. And it's Vader just imagining himself falling. And then turns into Anakin, and then turns into baby, like young Anakin, like he's just kind of just lived through this thing. And then it's on back on Coruscant, and he's in front of the Emperor, and it's, and he says, "Lord Vader, have you settled your business?" And he's like, "Yes, Master." And he's like, "Really? The Sith, the Sith know that fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to strength. But you, my friend, have just walled in grief. You need to start all over again." It's like with fear, and it's just like him, like with Sith lightning coming out of his fingers. And then the the uh, preview for the next issue is uh, Darth Vader's final lesson, Palpatine's punishment. So it's basically, I think, he just lightnings the crap out of him because if you know anything about Sith, like to be able to learn how to use Sith lightning, you have to take Sith lightning.
1: It's a lot like the taser when you're an officer.
0: I think so. Kind of. Sure, I didn't. I wasn't there, that yeah.
1: <laughs> It's pretty crazy. Um, like I, uh, you got a score for that book there, Josh?
0: You know, I get like a two and a half. Like I, I don't know. It was kind of hokey. Like I was, you know, I thought it was cool. Like when he rushed off in uh, Rogue One and just like just did some Vader badassery and some cool stuff. But in this one, he's literally like pulling like starships out of the sky and crashing into each other and crashing them into other people. It was just like, hmm, that's like. The Force Unleashed, like he was like, he pulled that star destroyer out of this guy. Right. But he's supposed to be some special, special, like, thing. Right? I, don't, I don't know. I thought it was a little hokey.
1: It's just like Ray holding on to the one ship in, I don't know, the Last Jedi. Whenever. Just
0: one ship, though, but he's literally just throwing starfighters around like crazy. craziness. Oh, yeah, this. but he's
1: supposed to be a 100 times more awesome than she is. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. It is pretty crazy. There's a lot of, there's a lot of. There's a lot more going on in there than... I don't, I don't know. I, I can't say there wouldn't be powers he could use, and he's, like, so pissed that, like, he's just bleeding out anger and destruction. But it is a, it is a lot of a scene for just, like, one trooper, especially when it's, like, full-on ship shooting but There them. was, like, tons of starfighters oh, fighters and
0: of, ships and things, oh and, yeah. like, they're just getting mangled. And, like, he... I don't know. I just thought it was a little hokey. And just, like, why does he have... Soldiers that are fighting for him, but then he tells all of them. I, I don't know. It was just, this is a little odd.
1: Yeah. It's, it's an interesting run through with the, uh, with what's happening. It's like he, him and her, when she first shows back up, um, hit the, the doppelganger, the, the friend, mm-hmm. when she first shows up, initially he thinks it's her because they, she is one of the stand ins. And then when that is yeah. revealed not to be the truth, it's like he kind of lets her tag along with him in his mission, even though she also is trying to stop him because she doesn't want him to find out the truth. But it's like he lets her hang hang around, I maybe mean, not with him, but like keeps her alive. I think just as like a well,
0: I think that she does. She wants to know the truth at first too, but then right. she f- she figures that he, out that he's the one that killed her. And then she changes her mind, right? Because she finds out that she that basically he choked her out,
1: right. This this issue, she finds that out. But yeah, it's a it's a weird like I don't know weird pendulum there. I mean, as far as story, I mean, I give it I give it a three. The art's really good. Um, yeah, there's a lot of I I think the flashbacks are really neat just because it's it's not supposed to be funny, but it's kind of funny. And I like when he kills the droid because the droid's like playing the message to him, and he's like, "She must have mat he must have mattered a whole lot." He's like, "Screw you, droid." And kills him before he finds out about the babies, so it's like it's his own fault that he didn't learn about there being two. Which is in my brain's hilarious. I mean it's not supposed to be, I guess, but you know. It's maybe the wrong reason. But yeah, I give it a three. It's been a pretty fun run. Alright, well, after that you wanna do a... what'd you learn today, Josh? Um,
0: I learned that you are a super big fan of, uh, Sith-on droid, um, hate crimes.
1: <laughs> I mean, that is true. I mean, he kills the thing right before he finds the answer he wants. And it is pretty funny the way he destroys him.
0: Well, I think that he, he learned what he wants, but then he killed the droid, so then like, the droid didn't know anything.
1: Well, he's talking, when he's talking to the, 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 the uh, when he's regurgitating the information from the... The monitor droid, the baby monitor droid. I think it was going to tell him that there was two kids. We would never get there, but if he would have let the robot live, he might have learned some more. I
0: think mean, he you liked hearing that, like.
1: Oh no! Yeah, the whole Anakin. As soon as he heard the Obi Wan name, he's like, "Dead droid."
0: Well, because it was saying, "Well, I think it was saying like there's still good in him," and he didn't like to hear that.
1: Oh, that either. Yeah, because was playing back the t- the two of them talking.
0: But you just laughed at the fact that he killed the droid. I mean, that's he liked, true. He likes Sith on droid
1: violence. Nice uh, what I learned today.
0: what did you learn today?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I just ta- I just told you uh, like before we go that um we'll do a little bit of a somber thing. But uh, Screech died.
1: That's true. Yeah,
0: Dustin Diamond. Yeah, Dustin Diamond passed away from uh, cancer. Pretty tragic. It was pretty quick. Like he went in the hospital, um, like less than a month ago. Like with uh, was feeling real bad and. So started running tests on him, and it was like, he had stage four cancer already, and it went really fast, which is a bummer. He was only like 44, I think.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's freaking crazy. It's a bummer. You yeah. know, uh,
0: I think he was, I think he, it seemed like he'd started making amends with the rest of the, of the cast and stuff, you know, and uh he had, a, he had a rough run of things for a while there, but like being a teen star, like a lot of those guys do. Right. But, uh, I mean, it's a bummer. It's a little, you know, rest in peace. I'm a big save of the Bill fan. Right. Man. he was a lot younger than the other the other one. I think he was like two or three years younger than those guys, which you don't realize it when you watch the show. And so, like, he, he was kind of always in a little little bit more of a weird situation than them. Like, they, um, Mark Pogostar talks a lot about it on the. Uh, he does that uh, Zack to the Future podcast, um, with that um. Is a
1: showrunner guy a director for the?
0: Well, he's one of the he's one of the writers, like uh, something Drisco- Driscoll. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't um, remember his name. From the new Save by the Bill show,
0: well, yeah, but he was the one that was doing uh, the uh, Zach Morris's trash stuff for Funny or for Funny, funny or Die. I, yeah, yeah, he's the one that does that. Um, Dash D- Dashel Driscoll is his name, Dashel Driscoll. Right, but uh, anyway, but they, you know, he talks about a lot about it, like just about how much. Well, Dustin was a lot younger than them, and so it was just a little bit different for him. Sure, and so, um even in you know it was it seemed like that they all had it relatively easy considering because all the parents were kind of on board and they were cool with them and stuff you know but like I just he was just so much younger and so right. when they came out of it you know he went on to do the new class and the rest of them went on to do other stuff but I don't know it's a, it's, just, it's just a weird thing to grow up in is like that uh, you know young teens sorry and you're always the nerd and you don't ever get the girl and right. I mean he did I mean he did like he got Tori Tory spelling. Right. Yeah, you know, he got you know he did this thing, but ah whatever. That's just kind of one of those things that like I just, you know, like it was it was it seemed like he was kind of like making amends with you know with with those guys because he put out that uh that biography basically talking trash like let's say it was basically like a say by the bell, tell all Dustin did and it was like just talking trash about how like there's terrible people and like they all did roids and this and that and doing drugs and banging on set and whatever, but, like, come to find out later and he, like, he, you know, remitted all, like, nah, that didn't really happen, I was just being a jerk, kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. So, um...
1: That's interesting. He's yeah. kind
0: of apologized for it, you know, but even, like, uh, Lark Boris was, I think she had some bad blood for a little bit, or was struggling for a little bit, but they, she's even in the new show, so, like, right. kind of making amends with everybody, it seemed like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, it's crazy that so recently after that happened, too. Like, the show just dropped, what, last month? A month and a half ago? Two months or something? Because the new show hasn't been around that long.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure when it came out. Yeah, I don't remember. Like, it's been out for a while, like, a few months at least. Right. But, even that, but whatever. I mean, it was just, again, kind of sucks.
1: So. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. um, yeah, rest in peace. That's unfortunate. Though. Um, well, let's see. Some books to watch. Um... So, I think a couple of these I might have mentioned before on here, but, uh, Nocturna is getting ready to drop, and, uh, it's the one by Scott Snyder and Tony Daniels. Um, so, set up for the book is, uh, it's, we're 10 years after the world goes dark, like, goes dark sunlight-wise. And because of that, it's turned a bunch of people into power types and monsters, and our main character is a transporter uh, lady, and she, well shepherd people between city to city. The only thing to keep you safe from the dark basically is, is fake light. So it's uh kind of like a pitch black, I guess, but not 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 exactly the same. But it art looks beautiful for it. And uh I mean Scott Snyder, he's a great writer, so pretty stoked for that. It looks really cool. There is a version of a cover for issue one that is a glow in the dark cover, which I think is really cool too. Um, so I say watch for that thing, it looks freaking awesome. Um, another one from Image that's kind of come out is, uh, Ultra Mega. And Ultra Mega, the first issue is a giant size issue, so as far as setup, I don't know if they're going to continue to be that way because I haven't solicited a number two yet. Uh, but it is by, uh, James, uh, Heron. He's doing the art and writing it. And it's, uh, I mean, it's a similar kind of thing, it's a monster type book. We've had a plague that's spread through the entire world that's caused people to turn into Monsters and sometimes violent monsters. And a few of them turn into giant kaiju. And we have one particular character that is a amassed of three people who turn into the Ultraman, and he fights giant kaiju monsters. So if you like Godzilla stuff, it, it's a lot like Ultraman, but not the same as Ultraman. So Ultramega looks freaking awesome. And then the last one I give you to check out or to watch for is going to be Better Bill... Uh it's being done by Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh it is a five-part, and I want to say it comes out in the middle of March. But it, it's uh it's battery bills, had Stormbreaker get destroyed, if you didn't know that, now you know. And since then he's looking for a new a new weapon, a new purpose, I guess, in life. And then this particular search he's run across Fing Thing, Thing Foom, who is currently being controlled by Null, so a nullified Thing Thing Foom. Is who he's going to be battling at least the first couple issues as he uh, quests for a new, I don't know, weapon in life. But uh, a couple of test pages look awesome. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's really cool, so I'm super stoked for that because Better Bill is my favorite Thor because he's a horse face Thor. Freaking awesome. Um, That's what I got as far as suggestions. Josh, you got anything over in your plate other than stuff we've already been checking on and mentioned before?
0: Yeah, the future state stuff looks really good. Like I'm, I'm kind of stoked on like. I know that there's a bunch of Batman books, which I mean, I'm kind of whatever on those. Like we did, uh, we did the first Batman um, Dark
1: Detective. Yep.
0: Like Br- the Bruce story mm-hmm. it seems kind of fascinating, but like the Superman stuff seems more interesting to me. Like, uh, because Cal's, like off world somewhere in some of it. Like, right. Interesting to see where that goes. And there's like a Batman Superman one. Right. And then uh, Connor's in there somewhere. I'm not sure which one he's actually a part of. Yeah, I remember. It might be about a backup it. story, though. I think, I think actually, I think he's a backup story, and then uh, you know Kara has her own book too, she which is. I think is two of hers. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of Superman stuff, so um, and, you know the Swamp st- Swamp Thing thing stuff. Oh book. yeah,
1: Swamp Thing book. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it, it all. I mean, it's again to me, it seems like just a big Elseworlds crossover, which has like never really happened before. Like a crossover just Elseworlds stuff, which seems cool to me. I mean, sure. we'll see where it goes.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what it results in afterwards. But the few we've done have been pretty good, and I've read a couple of the other ones in, this, in the process of this. But, yeah, I don't know. The ones I've read, I've liked. The Teen Titans one is great. The uh, the Wonder Woman one's good. The Catwoman one's good. Uh, Swamp Thing, yeah. Ran V's doing that, and he's awesome. Uh, Joelle Jones is doing the the Wonder Woman with Yara. And we just had the first issue, maybe last week, come out of the Immortal Wonder Woman. That's the one at the end of the world where she's got everything collected from Justice League. So, I'm pretty stoked to read that too, actually. I forgot about that one too. You said that.
0: Yeah, she has like the ring and like Superman's cape yep. and Batman's belt.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It, interesting. Uh, See where it goes. Right. Right on. I think that's it. Anything else? Social media is um I'm at
0: Wendell24 on, on Instagram. You can pretty much find everything else on that. I do some of my photography stuff on there. I do. Um, that's really about it, actually. I haven't been much active in that scene at all. Sure. Um, got some cool action figure stuff. Um, you picked up a vintage sectars for me, which was really, really rad. That's um, true. It a captain, uh, what was his what, name? Wasap. 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 Which is like he's supposed to be in, in the redoing. The old ones were like a five-ish inch line, five, six inch line, but like they have a new, oh, there's a smaller company doing a new, like, 118 scale line, which is pretty cool. We did, we did actually one of their figures on actual figure deconstruction, but a wave two, if it comes out, it didn't meet its, um, it didn't meet its, Um, fundraiser goal for, uh, for Kickstarter. For Kickstarter, but that doesn't necessarily mean it won't come out. Right. Because they did, you know, a lot of times I don't, they don't usually do a Kickstarter for a second wave.
1: Yeah. So that was
0: odd. So I'm I'm not sure what that was all about. But so he may or may not come out. I thought he was going to. But I know one, wave one and wave 1.5 are both pretty successful. They sold out of all their stuff on like most of the, Um, like Big Bad Toy Store, places like that, they also, they sold out of the figures and stuff. So, um, I was hoping he would come out. Right. We'll, I mean, we'll see. But anyway, that was pretty rad. I like that figure a lot. Um, uh, Acid Rain's coming out with a bunch of new figures. A bunch of really, really cool female figures that they haven't done before. With actual molded heads, not just Mike masks and helmets. That's cool. Um, and then, then, man, that, uh, Joy Toy line is just going nuts putting out stuff. Like really, really cool figures. Like um I just got a three pack of female figures that are just super highly detailed. Um once we get back into doing those after you know, now that holidays are kind of winding down. Right. Craziness going come down a little bit and but uh there's just like a lot of really cool figures coming out. Like unfortunately stuff that I'd really like to be positive about is like the G. I. Joe line that the, the you know, like the one twelve scale GI Joe line, but like the target exclusives are just so difficult to come upon because scalpers are just buying whole cases at a time. People show up at like eight in the morning and buying every. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like it really right. doesn't. Like why? And I've I've said this on this episode and other things. Just like they they put out these pre orders, and to me a pre order would mean let's set up a pre order to see how many people want to buy, and then we'll like. Then we'll stock the stores a little bit too, on top of it. Right. And it's just like, so then they can order enough for people, but they don't do it. It's like, cause there's people who want to do like troop building, and I get that. Like, there's people who like to buy like 20 Cobra Vipers, so they can have 20 Cobra Vipers around Cobra Commander. Like, that's right. what they do. Like, if somebody wants to spend $20 for 20, or $20 a figure for 20 figures. Good for them. Good on them, you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, but like the thing is that it, you know, those figures have become like, Scalper stuff on eBay, and they're going for like, like that Baroness figure is like, going for like 150 bucks. And That's it was, crazy. it was a $40 figure with a yeah. motorcycle, which I didn't want the motorcycle. And supposedly they're going to remake her, you know, like down the line, like more like general release, but I just don't understand what the point is. You mm-hmm. know, like it's, it's just an odd thing to me. Super crazy. So if anybody can explain it to us, please, like why, why Target and Hasbro are just, I mean, has like the Hasbro Pulse thing, like you can do a pre order on there, and it's like they're available for like a couple weeks. Like the the pre order doesn't sell out that fast, right? They 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 leave it open, I think, for and then like it might be six months to a year out before the figure comes out, but it's still up, right? You know, like the Lady J. Flint figures coming out, like you can still find those for pre order in a lot of places, right? No big deal, you know, for like whatever. I just don't understand like why. So it 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 disappoints me that like my favorite toy line of all time is just it's impossible to collect that line I may I don't even want to collect it right so that's why it's making me go different different ways you know um, some cool things that are like uh, Boss Fight Studios Zorro got released right I did see it's a lot of people getting their their pre-order Zoros looks super rad the Flash Gordons the first round of Flash Gordons came out the movie version of him in like the t-shirt and pants yep um, the Phantom's coming out and then the comic book Comic version of Flash Gordon, and then there's some more Zorro stuff, and then the female phantom.
1: We do that Tarzan and Jane series, too. Yeah,
0: Tarzan and Jane are coming yep. out as well, plus they have, you know, like, their fantasy lines still coming out and stuff. Like, I mean, th- those are some companies that are doing it right. So, um, if you're into action figure collecting, check out Boss Fight Studios, check out Joy Toy, check out Acid Rain. Um, those are some really cool f- cool lines.
1: Yep. Um All good choices. Um, you can find anything else from us on toplifeconicspodcast.com. There's links to this show, of course. Which, if you're listening, you already found that. Um, uh, but our other shows are on there as well. Action Figure Deconstruction, Never Been Done Podcast, um, uh, Disco Billionaires, the Hot Sauce Review Show, our buddies do. And then, uh, Man 2050 Gameplay Walkthroughs. Um, links to all that stuff on the website. So, uh, you know, follow, like, subscribe. All that neat stuff. He should have some playthroughs or some old video games. I mean, if you want to do Zelda, you can probably figure out a way to do it.
0: Or do Breath of the Wild. I I, I want to watch him do Breath of the Wild because I've never, I haven't. I want to play it, but I don't have time to play. So, be sure. you could do that. That'd be cool.
1: I'll I'll put a request. I'm not
0: going to do it. I'm not <laughs> going to watch somebody else do it. Like I could watch him do it though. I'd be down to watch him. Sure. So that's my request. That's my official request.
1: All right. Uh, if you want to find my sketches and drawings, so I do lots of those, you can look on Top Five Comics. On Instagram, I think is what it is. Oh, Top Five Comics CBS. I forgot altogether. Top Five Comics CBS on Instagram. You can find drawings, pictures of conventions when those used to happen. If you ever want to know what a convention looked like, you can find pictures there. Sad days. Um, Yeah, that's it. Uh, Tiki. Tiki.